Yeah. Look at look yeah, at yeah, I'm exactly. real. Yeah. I'm real. Dunkoff. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Pondercast, where it's okay to think differently about the Bible and theology. I'm Perry Siddons and I'm joined by Drew Petkert. Let's get pondering. Hello everybody, <laughs> welcome back to the Pondercast with uh, Drew and Perry. My name is Perry Siddons and it's great to be with you once again. Drew, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing good, Perry. I'm doing quite good. Things are things are good here in uh, the metropolis of Prince Albert. <laughs> How are you, Perry? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm in a uh, class this week, the week that we're recording this. I'm in a Luke Axe class uh, through Regent College, and I'm taking that with uh, uh, Daryl Bach. Um, it's been a very good class this week. I definitely don't agree with everything he says, but, I mean, why does it have to be the thing I say? Uh, why can't I say I agree with mostly everything he says? Right. Uh, yeah, it's been a good class. Um, that's been my week so far. Did you hear the the sad news this week? Did you hear about Ravi? I did. Yes, yes. That was pretty sad to hear. That it was he was quite the quite the man. Yes. Yeah. It was quite a quick uh, time. Like I think he was diagnosed was like sudden two months ago yeah. or something. Like I heard he I heard about two weeks ago that he had cancer. And then, yeah, and then he passed away. So, what a for those of you who don't know, Ravi Zacharias passed away on Monday. Is that right? I think I think it was Monday or Tuesday. This I... this week, this yeah. week anyway, yeah. he passed away. Yeah, one one thing I really liked about him, whenever he talked, he always was like calm and always respectful. You know, like he'd be debating mm. someone. And then make a good point. That is a very good point. And I see where you're coming from. And then he would say something. Like, and then he would say his point. But like, he's always respectful. I always appreciate that. Some some other guys just kind of like hammer down on everyone's point. I always like to listen to him talk. He had a, a good demeanor. Mm-hmm. Yep. St. Ravi. Anyways. So well, been, should we get into have this? You been doing, have you been doing anything exciting this week? Oh. Um, the plant of the garden today. Or the oh. other week. This week, this week we planted the garden. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, planted your garden. Although, might have been uh, regrettably, it's kind of cold outside today. So I'm hoping Ooh. it doesn't. Hoping the plants farewell. Mm-hmm. Not yes. their farewell, but hopefully they fare <laughs> well. <laughs> I'll clarify yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Now we'll see. Just make sure you don't spit on them. Wear a mask when you're out there. Right, don't want to give them the corona. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, uh, other than that, going to work on Friday, got oh. a job, so it's good. Yeah, it's good doing electrical, so yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. back to work finally. So now our podcasting recording time might be messed up. Yeah, we'll see. Thursday After... morning might not work, or is <laughs> After... that a secret? Sorry, no, it's I don't think so. We've gotten into this routine okay. of. I was kind of just assuming, like, yesterday, I was like, are we going to record at the same time as usual? <laughs> like, we've just gotten to this yeah. routine now, so. Maybe I'll start taking Thursdays off. <laughs> Thursday morning. Midweek, midweek. <laughs> Thursday morning, I have to take off. I have a yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say, I have a thing. Check it out. <laughs> it's on all these different streaming services. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
that I haven't even How many heard are we of. at now? How many are we at now? About five or six streaming services people can listen to these on? Um, well, hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll be on Google and Apple, uh, right. Breaker, Public Radio, uh, Pocket Cast, hopefully Overcast, Anchor, Spotify. Podbean. Podbean. That's right. Yes, there's many places to listen to this. So if, if you need to. Right. Well, should we give. Yep. Yep. Should we give them something to actually listen to, maybe? Yes, we should. <laughs> we should. Talking. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're right on. That's true. Well, this week I figured, well, I figured we'd, we'd take a look at something, something that's controversial. The, no, some, well, a little bit, but a little bit less controversial. No, that's what I mean. Less <laughs> controversial. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Something less controversial. This week we're going to take a look at. Um, the idea of theophanies and Christophanies and what they teach us. And so a theophany, how we're going to kind of look at and describe it is um, a manifestation of God appearing before people. And this can be in any, in lots of different ways. Like uh, we'll look at it a little bit later. A theophany is God presenting himself before people in a in a different form whether that be in a bush whether that be in a cloud fire a whisper and we'll look at some of these examples a little bit later mm-hmm. and so those are what theophanies are and if, if you look at the word theophany um theo means god like theo theology right we kind of we know that and so theo meaning god and then the word fanny or p-h-a-n-y like fanny um i was looking up kind of what that word meant and it actually means um it's from the greek word to mean appearance or manifestation so put them together theo fanny um god appearing mm-hmm. likewise christophany then is christ appearing mm-hmm. and so with those kind of definitions in mind we can kind of see in the old testament specifically see these ideas where god appears to people in different forms almost and different you see different mediums as a creative way to kind of talk to people and so today i kind of want i was hoping we could look at a couple theophanies and then see um how god interacts with people through um what he is talking through does that make sense you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you feeling me yep absolutely okay, you're feeling me cool i am yep yep yeah so it's it's interesting because this is as i was to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of resources uh, that are related to theophanies and Christophanies. So it was a little hard for me to try to do some research on this. But what I, what, what I did have was was absolutely excellent. Uh, and, 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 they were, and they pointed out that the word theophany is not a biblical word. The word Christophany is not a biblical word. Obviously, and I mean, that's, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's just like the word Trinity doesn't appear. Um, but I, but yeah, that definition of uh, the appearance of God uh, is, is uh, interesting. That's a, that's a I think that's a really good way, a really simple way for us to understand that uh, as we as we yeah. as we look at what a theophany is, an, an appearing of God, and and really like I think we think of these more in the Old Testament, uh, like an yeah, Old Testament so appearing too. of God. But yeah, um, for sure. But I was even I was even wondering, and and we'll, and I'll talk. I'll bring this up later if there's time. But mm-hmm. I think that that 
there are theophanies, not not Christ like there's Christophanies in the New Testament, but I also think there's theophanies in the New Testament. But uh uh yeah. maybe I'll bring that up later. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, should we take a look at some in the Bible as far as where theophanies happen, just to give our listeners some idea of what we're actually talking about here? Yes, yes. All right, cool. So uh actually lots of them happen in the book of Exodus. And for so we know if we know the story of Exodus, Moses is in Egypt, right? Kills a kills an Egyptian, flees, right? Goes to Jethro. And then he sees we get the infamous story of the burning bush, right? The idea that this bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And so here's what the text says. This is Exodus uh, 2, verse 3. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Let's keep going verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Relatively simple, but in the most general sense and with our definition, that is a theophany, right? God appearing in a bush, through a bush that is burning. One thing that I want to make note of that I think it's interesting, and this kind of appears throughout all of Scripture, so I think we have to kind of talk about it now, is we look at that in verse 3, it says, there an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And so this is kind of a phrase that kind of appears often in the Bible. And I think we have to kind of know what to do with it because it talks about the angel of the Lord a lot. And some people say, oh, that's just an angel. Other people say, oh, that's God. Other people say, that's Jesus. And so I think we have to kind of figure out what this phrase means. Do you have any thoughts on that phrase? Like the angel of the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my professors at, uh, at NBC, he is the is of the opinion that every occurrence of that phrase angel of the lord is a christophany it's a it's a mm. pre-incarnate appear, uh, appearance of jesus in the old testament yeah i mean that's a simple answer but and i mean it's it's a fine answer but sometimes i think the angel of the lord is actually an angel of the lord and sometimes the angel of the lord is some kind of divine being because even I was reading in Joshua the other day and there happened to be, you know, the, the angel of the Lord's army came to Joshua and jo- and Joshua bowed yeah. down before this angel and the angel didn't tell him, don't bow before me. Whereas in other places, right. like, in Re- like in Revelation, for instance, when John the apostle mm-hmm. uh, falls down before the angel, the angel says, I'm don't worship me. Whereas in right. Joshua, it says the angels like, don't worship me. Right. So obviously this angel is some kind of divine being. Is there consistency here in the Old Testament? Is there places where the angel of the Lord here is um, actually an angel, like actually a messenger of the Lord? Or is it like this is, um, well, because angel simply is messenger. Like I think it's angelos yeah. in the Greek uh, is simply messenger. No, yeah, no, that, make, that makes uh good sense uh, that's kind of where i stand too i think we have to read well just because the each story is kind of unique and different yeah exactly right? like here it says it's here it says the angel of the lord was in a burnt bush so it wasn't a human it was an angel of the lord burning in a bush right and so another another stories um it uses different pronouns and uses the word lord 
like the covenant Yahweh Lord interspersedly like synonymous with angel of the Lord. Like mm-hmm. for instance, if we're to flip back to Genesis, Genesis 18, Abraham's uh, met by three visitors and they're said to be angels. One is supposed to be the angel of the Lord. Um, but through that text and through the narrative, it actually says, then the Lord said, hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the same. And so it uses the word synonymously, like it's the mm-hmm. same thing. And so I think if we take that into account too, we can kind of see, oh, okay, it is God here before Abraham. So I think it's kind of each story, you kind of look at the events, the words mm-hmm. used, right. the exactly. pronouns used, and you can, kind of, you can kind of figure out, oh, is this an angel of the Lord or is this the Lord? Is this God himself or is yeah. this a messenger for God? exactly because well, like, and here here yeah. in in exodus angel of the lord it says angel of the lord appeared to him and then and then that's where he reveals that's where god says his 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 name he reveals his his name to moses right so why would an angel of the lord tell moses i am i am, yeah. I am. obviously there's there's yeah. language is being used here to help us understand like what's going on here yeah well exactly right and so i think yeah it's a perfect example here the angel lord is obviously god because he declares i am i am and so i think that um that phrase angel of the lord you think you have to look at each context it's in and kind of figure out if it is actually an angel or if it is god hmm. okay. uh, i think that's so just keeping that in mind when we kind of go through all these and look at different theophanies. So that was, mm-hmm, that's kind of mm-hmm. like, I think, well, one of the most major ones we can look at. I think a question that people might have in this regard is why would the Lord appear as an angel? Why would these human authors write that they see uh, the angel of the Lord? Like, there's obviously, maybe you're going to get to that. <laughs> um, uh, no, go ahead. What, well, what would be your response to that? Why would they write Angel of the Lord? Well, obviously, yeah. Why would they write that? I mean, maybe that's their, uh, just thinking about it. I mean, maybe that's just the way they can interpret what's happening. Mm. I mean, like you said, they don't have words like theophany. <laughs> like, they can't be like, and then there's a theophany. I mean, like, and so I think um, by saying Angel of the Lord appeared to them, I think, I almost view it as that's how they're saying God appeared. Because then they don't shy away from saying the Lord saw Moses was there. God spoke and the Lord says, I am. So they don't shy away from those ideas. And so the fact to say angel or at the beginning, I mean, maybe that is just a, a way of they can describe it. I don't know. Like a, describing a theophany, maybe? Like I'm not too sure, actually, to be hmm. honest. Hmm. I just wonder Why, if... What do you think? Well, I just wonder if it's, it's using language. Like they, this is what they see. And so that's what, like, they see mm-hmm. this some kind of being. And so that's what they understand. And that's what they write down. Um, because God right. is, so because it, it goes back to, I think it goes back to uh, the question, why does God appear uh, in Theophanies? Why does he appear right. in, in the Old Testament the way he does? Um, and right. in what, in what way? Obviously he's appearing in a way that, that is, He's not appearing in his full sense of God as God. We're kind of getting into some tricky language here. Like what's right. like, what substance is God made out of? And, and obviously he didn't like, 
he didn't appear in that way. Um, he, right. he, he's a, like, and, and so that goes back to the question, why does he appear uh, like that? And maybe, uh, maybe we're, maybe we'll get to that later. I don't want to, I don't want to derail where you're, where you want to go with this. No, let's, let's go to there. Let's actually go there right now. We can look at some other examples and then go, um, kind of look at that right now. Why, like, why, is, why would he appear in a bush? Why would he appear in a cloud? Why would he appear in a whisper? Um, and why would he appear in fire? Why are these things important? And so the second one that I kind of thought was interesting is also in Exodus as well. Um, Exodus 19.9. And, and you, can, you can kind of read this yourself. I'm not going to read the whole thing. So, um, be here forever. But God says, I'll descend on the mountain like a dense cloud. So he descends on the mountain, and then um, fall verses, it says uh, that the people will hear you speak to me, and then they'll always put your, their trust in you. And so if we can just imagine a dense cloud coming over this mountain, and then God speaking from this cloud to Moses. And so that's another theophany, right? God speak, God in this cloud. And as I was thinking about this one, I was thinking, um well, like mountaintops and um well mountains more specifically especially in the old testament have this this uh typification of like authority like reigning authority like mm. for instance moses gets the tablets on the mountain right like and um i think that's a good example of this typology of mountains having the sense of authority over everything mm. so the fact that dense clouds on top of a mountain shows God's authority, shows his um, authority not only over Israel, but over all of the nations, that he is the one mm. true God. So I think there's a lot in this idea of coming in a cloud on top of a mountain or um, on this mountain. I think there's a lot to be kind of said of how he appears, right? He's showing his authority to not just his people, but to all the nations. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then likewise, with the burning bush, I mean, Moses, I mean, we maybe don't know the story that well, but Moses kind of is a little timid to go, right? He doesn't really want to go, right? And so the fact, like, I mean, a dense cloud, God speaking from that, like, obviously that's, that's, that'd be a theophany. But then this idea of a burning bush that's not being consumed I mean, it shows God's power, but also shows God is able to do all these miracles that hmm. you are going to go do, Moses. So it almost gives us right. a sense of assurance of how. And so I think, and that's what Israel, I mean, that's what Moses needed. And Israel needed someone to be their God, their king, right? They needed someone hmm. to rule them. And that's, and so I think how God appears um, is important. I think it shows the people who he's appearing to a different side and a character of himself. Mm. Uh, the, the ones the the source that I had <clears throat> in, yeah. uh, he pointed out, it was very interesting. Um, he says that the old Testament regards its own theophanies in terms of the idea of, of sacrament. And so he explains that he says the, uh, the presence of the absence, uh, so the theophanies are to be understood in this sense. And he says none, like the theophanies, it's none of them are a total revelation of God himself. 
uh, and he says that God was indeed present at Mount Sinai. He did indeed appear to Moses, but always in terms of A, a sign, and B, through the sound of his word. I think that's a really uh, interesting definition of, of, of theophany, is that uh, like the sacramental definition of the presence of the absence. And if you think about it, like I'll put it in this, in this way, like say like the Lord's Supper is a sacrament because it's the presence of the absent Christ. Uh, he, he is there with us in our midst in the supper, but he's, he's at the right hand of God. So in that sense, uh, like it's, it's paradoxical. And so theophany is paradoxical in that sense where God is present, but he's also absent. And, uh, and, and so through, he gives a sign, but the sign is not separated yeah. from, from, from the word, like he, like burning the burning bush. There's the sign of the burning bush, but it's not separated from what God says in the burning bush or yeah. on the mountain of Sinai. There's the cloud. There's the uh, thunder. I don't know if that's here. Um, right. But there's, uh, there's the cloud and then there's the word. Right. Yeah. Or, or like when Israel is fleeing from Egypt and there's, um, like the fire that stops, um, like Egyptians from getting to them. You know what I'm talking about? When they're crossing yep. the Red Sea. Yep. 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 I think that's there too. I think that would be a theophany as well. But that, yes, it's, I like that definition. It's not the person isn't absent, but they're not. Like God isn't absent, but He's not fully right. The the presence there. is that what you're trying to say. Like the presence of the absence, right? So He's there, but He's not. But He's but He's absent. Like it's paradoxical. It's yeah, two, it's two yeah. things yeah. that we're trying to reconcile, and they like. Uh, we were hoping that this was going to be an easy conversation, but of course, I have to take it down this road. It's uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, God is. It's it's an appearance of God where He's present with His people, but He's also absent. Um, right. No, because, and that's, that, I think that, that's a. I like that. Well, and and why does He have to appear, in, as a theof like in a theophany? Why does He have to appear like that? Well, I think it's for human benefit. Yeah, like I, he doesn't have to appear like that, but it's definitely for, I think, in each scenario, it kind of spurs his people on, and like I think a really good example of that is Elijah, um, in One Kings nineteen. Now, some of us might know the story from Sunday school, and we probably do, but you know, there's a there's a storm that comes, or what is it? Okay, I'll just read it here. A uh, great powerful wind that tore the mountain apart and shattered rocks before the Lord, before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, right? After the wind, there's an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. When Elijah heard, or, and after the fire came a whisper. And as we know, the Lord is in the whisper. And that's 1 Kings 19. Mm-hmm. If we think about the story of Elijah right there, he's running for his life. He doesn't need something that's going to scare him to death. You know, like mm. he needs God to come in a whisper, something gentle, something that'll assure mm. him, comfort him. Right. And so I think, and that's a theophany as well. Right? God coming in a whisper is a theophany. And just how Elijah reacts, he, he puts a cloak over his face and he, st- and he stands and he, he listens. 
And so I think how God appears in what theophany and, and how, what medium, I guess, he uses, I think it does, it's only for the person he's appearing to, to show them a different part of his character that they need mm-hmm. to know right then and there. Hmm. That's how I kind of took away yeah, from. I like that. I, but I also think of uh, the nature of God. Doesn't he say to Moses that no man shall see my face and live? Yeah. And so he says, I'll show you my back. So obviously, like he's appearing in Theophanies because of his nature. Like the way he's right, appearing. No see him face to face. Right, 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 right. Like, if so, like we cannot see God in this, in our nature, because he is so other than us that we so he he i like this i like this word he condescends to us he he comes down to us um i mean that's that's like it's it's like a patronizing term though like like you're being condescending but in this in this way i mean it's it's a positive it's a positive phrase when you're talking about the god of the universe i'm i'm okay being condescended to right no, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, you know, it's like. But uh, he's, but it, it is, a, it's a positive sense. And, and like what you're saying, I yeah. like how you're putting it. Like, uh, I think if we put those two things together, it's we can't see him, but he's like, he's appearing to us in ways that we can in order to encourage his people. Right. Well, <laughs> to kind of go against exactly what you just said, should we talk about <laughs> Christophanies then? <laughs> I don't, how would that go against what I'm saying? Well, I'm just saying, if we believe Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, is God, he appears before people and they see him face to face. Right. I mean, I mean so, not to go against, I mean that, but, that, but it's, it's just, it's different though. It is, sorry, Right, but he's still, God, the Son, is still condescending to us. Yes, in yes. Our, like, in the Old Testament, it was it was like, angel of the Lord. It was like he was appearing in ways that were not human or were kind of human-like. Whereas whereas God the Son condescended to us and became fully human, became exactly like one of us. So, I I mean, Mm -hmm. there's that. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. All right. So, (laughs) so if we move to the idea of Christophanies then, similar but not the same, right, is a theophany. My my definition for Christoph, he was just God appearing in a human likeness, kind of like what you were just saying, mm. human likeness to people um, outside of his um, earthly ministry, outside of his birth and ascension is what basically I'm saying, like outside of that time frame. When God, when God appears in human form, that would be Christophany. When God, the, that, like God the Son, God the Son. Yes. That's why it's called a Christo, uh, Christophany. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, good clarification. Yeah, so that would be kind of my definition. And so like an example would be, um, we kind of talked about already, but Abra- or Abraham in Genesis 18, he's visited by three people. Um, later on in the text, two of them go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's when they're going to, or Sodom, I guess, and going to destroy the city. But the Lord stays with Abraham. And so it says these are people. These are mm. people like figures. 
And so here we can say, oh, that was the son, the second person of the, the Trinity is kind of, that's how I take it. Is it the second person of the Trinity? But other people say, no, it's just an angel, a messenger of the Lord mm. talking. Um, I don't know if you've done any research on that specific story or not, but. Oh, and I, I mean, it, that's kind of related to um, when the three men appear to him, correct? Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same kind okay, of, it flows okay. into it. Like it starts with that and then it flows into uh, the destruction of Sodom. Because uh, some some see that as like the Old Testament appearing of the Trinity. Like there's a piece of, I think it's a piece of Russian yeah. art. It's a Russian icon. It's a beautiful icon. Uh, uh, it's mm-hmm. called the Old Testament Trinity. And it's these three people having a meal with Abraham. See, I'm not convinced that it's the Trinity. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. It's just, it's, uh, it's an interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting look on it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that theory. I've heard that idea. But just the fact that two of them go down and one of them stays and says the Lord stayed with him. Hmm. That's kind of how I, I, I think it's uh, Christoph. I think that is hmm. the pre-incarnate. And I'll just jump to it now. The, the reason that I think it's a Christophany is because if we read in the New Testament, um, John 1.18, uh, it says, No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who himself is God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, and has made him known. Hmm. And so it says, No one has seen God, but the one and only Son. Hmm. And so if no one's ever seen God except the Son, then the Son has to be if God appears in human form, it kind of has to be the sun. Does hmm. that make sense? Because hmm. and, yeah, and also in the New Testament, we, we know, and also in the New Testament, we know God is spirit. So his worship must worship spirit and truth. And so if it appears in a man form, it, I think it has to be that second person of the Trinity. Like it, it there's no other really room for it. Hmm. I, like I, that's how I look at it. And that's why I kind of interpret it. Yeah, it's uh, that's a good point. Uh, connecting it to John 1. That has direct like that has to directly do with the incarnate Jesus, what John is talking about. But I think it still yeah. is a good point that um, that uh, that we to see to see the God to see God in human form is to see the Son. Um, yeah, I think that's a good a good right. point. I mean, and there's a couple other like Christophanies like. Um, Genesis 32, and Jacob wrestles with a man, hmm. right? Jacob wrestles with the man all night. And then later on, uh, he's like, who are you? He's like, I know, you know who I am. And then, and he names the place. Um, I don't know the name of it offhand, but I'm pretty sure it means, uh, he calls it uh, Pinel because the place I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. And so the, that word actually means the face of God. And so he knows he saw God, but the text says it was mm. very much a man. Mm. And so you get this, this idea, well, there's a Christophany. It would have been Christ in, in there too. One other one, this is kind of my favorite one, or one of my favorite ones in Daniel, when uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't worship the, the, the chocolate bunny. <laughs> you know, like Betty Tales. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm joking. It's not a chocolate bun. But then they uh, they get thrown into the furnace, and then uh, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, or 
Nebuchadnezzar. It's one of our props used to say it. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. Um, he says, you sent, uh, he says, it looks like one of the sons of the gods. Uh, mm. It looks like a son of the gods. And so it's interesting there because they're not talking about um, Yahweh. They're not using a covenant name. They're talking about their gods. It looks like a son mm. of their gods was in the fire with them. And there we don't really get, it's not really described who was in the fire with them. Like mm-hmm. some people say it's an angel. Some people say it was Christ. <clears throat> Had a human-like figure apparently. So I don't know. Take that how you want, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it was likely uh, Christophany. And, uh, well, because it's this, it's this human-like figure appearing with uh, God's people in this furnace protecting mm-hmm. them. Christophany or an right. angel it's probably well I'm guessing uh that the the Jews who were reading Daniel probably would have interpreted that as an angel um but that still goes back to what right. what are what what do we believe about the angels in the Old Testament I'd also think it's a Christophany um because I would hesitantly connect that to uh, the Son of Man in Daniel 7. Uh, in Daniel 7, the Son of Man goes up to the Ancient of Days. Well, who fulfills that? That's Jesus, obviously, who fulfills the Son of Man role. So I would hesitantly uh, connect those two th- two things. And I say that hesitantly because when, when Nebuchadnezzar says, I see one of the sons of the gods, I, oh, I think I'm getting something else confused there. I think I'm getting that confused with something else in that Nebuchadnezzar says somewhere else. So um, maybe I won't be hesitant about saying that. I think there is a connection there, though, that uh, there's a son of man figure who is Jesus. Like we're reading this kind of through New Testament lens, obviously. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if Jesus is appearing in Daniel, kind of appearing in Daniel 7, then I think he could be appearing here in the furnace with the uh right. with god's people uh and and i mean yeah it's interesting with daniel i i did some research on daniel this last semester and just and looking right. at looking at the the persecution that god's people go through in daniel and the vindication that they receive and the connection that 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 makes with the son of man like in that son of man passage yeah, I hope I'm not going down a, a different rabbit trail here, but like <laughs> with with the Son of Man, in that passage, yeah. God's people receive vindication. That's the whole point of that passage. Uh, at, they they are persecuted at the hands of ungodly nations. So I mean, thinking about that, there's a lot of parallels here, and so it makes sense. Like you you know what I mean? Like yeah, in Daniel You're seven pieces together. Yeah, in Daniel seven. The Son of Man, like God's people are persecuted. What happens? There's they see the, the Son of Man is vindicated, they're vindicated. Here, God's people are persecuted, and then son of like they're rescued. Yeah. They're they're yeah. Vindi- they're no, vindicated. Think... They're shown to be in the right. Right. Like for not no, for I don't not... think that's a far stretch. Okay. I don't I think I think you have a good point there. Because it's in the same book too, right? You're not you're not just <laughs> flipping random pages right. and like, no, I think I think that's a very good connection to make. And I think that uh it makes a lot of sense, the idea of the vindication and, and son of man 
ties in with the idea of the person or the being in the furnace. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good point. We did not go down that rabbit trail too far. I know you <laughs> could have. <but laughs> should, yeah. should we uh, take a look? At, should we take a look at some New Testament theophanies? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Might as well start with the. Well, start with the one that's probably the most obvious. Um, Acts nine, throw it to Damascus, Paul. Hmm. Right? It's pretty it's pretty straightforward. I mean, he runs across someone on the road. Saul asks, Who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. Like mm-hmm. Right. And this remember this is this is after the ascension. This is after Christ lived, did his earthly ministry, suffered on the cross, risen again, ascended to heaven. After all that, he still appears to Saul divinely. So technically that would be a Christophany, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's there's really a, not much Yeah, there's yeah, not much to say on that. To, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think it's, that's not the only Christophany in Acts though, because even uh uh with Stephen, Stephen has a Christophanic vision uh where he he see he he's being murdered and he says, "Behold, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God." Uh, so he looks into heaven and he sees Jesus at the right hand of God. We see that there's different purposes that Jesus appears to people. He appears to Stephen for comfort, for vindication again, yeah. yeah. And he appears before Saul to kind of reorient to to say, to prove to him, oh, to like say, to- Paul, you're mine. <laughs> yeah look at look yeah, at yeah, i'm exactly. real yeah. i'm real dunkoff yeah a question yeah, that i ahead. have for you drew um yeah. is um thinking about old testament theophanies and the definition the presence of the absence that the sign the the sign and the word okay yeah. what what are miracles then sign word are his miracles a theophany Huh, that, that's a tough one because I mean, if we think about it in sign and word, you could say okay, it's an audible voice. So I mean, I think we're like, we're getting to some tricky, tricky kind of language here. So like when you say a miracle, I mean, the fact you're breathing today is technically a miracle. You mean like, um, but like a special act of God, special act, a special act of God. I mean, I'd be tempted to say it is a miracle i mean or it is a theophany rather however a theophany i would say is also the spirit um being before man so mm. like for instance mm. peter when he see when he goes to a vision some will say christ appeared before him some say the spirit like in mm. peter actually says later like the spirit right came to me right and talked said eat and so um like I would say that's still a theophany because the spirit's mm. still talking. And so, right. And so in that way, it doesn't have to be an audible voice. Like I'm kind of going back on what I just said, but I'm just thinking through this. It doesn't have to be an audible voice because the spirit working through people is still God manifesting himself through mm. a miracle, through a divine healing, through someone speaking in time, whatever it mm. is. So yeah, I guess my answer to your question, I, I would consider miracles theophanies because it's divine appearance of God working within the world that we can actually understand and comprehend. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who don't don't 
believe in God, we just say it's a happenstance or coincidence or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like they have a different definition. But for me as a Christian, a believer, I think well, I have no reason to say that's not a theophany because it is a divine appearance of God manifested in something else that's that we can kind of understand to help us understand the character of God. Mm-hmm. Well, well and I think, think, you I think well, I think the most obvious theophanies in the gospels are at Jesus baptism because what happens the spirit uh, descends onto Jesus and God says this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased the second clear theophany is when Jesus is on the mountain with the disciples and he's transfigured and what happens uh, God says this is my son listen to him those are very clear theophanic visions Absolutely. Uh, not visions, I sh- sh- uh, pictures. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. And I think miracles, I think miracles are theophanic. Uh, I, I would, the reason I say that is they have, they're like, they're, they have the character of being, like they have characteristics of, of, of theophanies. So they're theophanic in nature. Uh, and, and, and I mean, miracles show the inbreaking of God's kingdom. So it's very much God breaking into humanity. And, and I mean, Jesus becoming a human is the ultimate like re- revelation of Jesus Christ, like the ultimate revealing of God, um, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. a tangible means by which we see God himself uh, in, in the person of, of Christ. And that goes back to John chapter one. We have, we have uh, witnessed the glory of God. Yeah. Well, should we go to one that's a little less clear then? <laughs> we have the most clear, and those are obvious ones. Um, should we talk about Melchizedek a little bit? <laughs> Let's do it. Is that a podcast all by itself? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit. For those of you who uh, haven't ever heard the name Melchizedek, that's very understandable because he appears twice in the Bible, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> kind of just the i mean and you can easily miss who melchizedek is right like it's pretty easy to miss them well and it's like mel 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 what how do you say that Mel like melchizedek <laughs> yeah so Mel melchizedek 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 i like it oh, I'll, I'll read the i'll read the text where it's from so genesis 14 thank you he actually appears in in verse 18 that's where he appears Mm. This is after Abraham rescues Lot. There's a battle of five armies, or four four kings versus five kings. There's this weird battle going on. Abraham goes, rescues Lot. And then verse 18 says, this is an introduction. This is exactly how it goes. It says, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine. He was the priest of God. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram. By God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abraham, "Give me some. Uh, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself." That is all we get about Melchizedek. He just appears, brings bread and wine, blesses him. Abraham gives him a tenth of what he got. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And so if you're reading the text, it's just like, oh, whatever, he's just a random guy. 
so what's nothing. the why Whatever. why are we why are we even considering him then well perry if we flip over to the book of hebrews it like if hebrews gives us a an insight to who this person was because like really it just it seems like a random person and if you actually don't read the book of hebrews it is just a random person it makes no sense but if we read hebrews that actually gives us a good description of it as this is what we're going to kind of work with to see if we think this was a Christophany or not. Because just by reading Genesis, we would say it's not a Christophany. Would you agree? Just Genesis alone. No, it just seems like a priest it's just, came. It's just yeah. another guy. Exactly. So then we flip over to Hebrews 7, and we see where's much more behind this, much more behind this person. It says, this Melchizedek was king of Salem, priest of God Most High. He met Abraham during... Uh, are returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Abraham gave him a tenth of everything, so kind of redescribes what happens. First, then the author goes to describe this person. It says, first, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Hmm. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Continues in verse 3, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning or end of days, or without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. Um, and there's a little bit more about him a little later, but we're just going to stick with that, unless you want to Well, and even have a point to make further. Even the fact that in verse 20 of chapter 6, it says, Jesus has gone uh, as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Um, yeah. and, then he, and then the author of Hebrews goes into this, under, like, who is this, who is this Melchizedek? Um, yeah, but by his definition, though, like there's lots of things we can take in there and put to the person of Christ, right? King of righteousness, right? Where do we get our righteousness from? Not from us, from Christ, right? The Prince of Peace. Well, he's Salem means the King of Peace, right? And so hmm. there's there's these connections with this person of Melchizedek and the person of Christ, right? We see these connections. And you can even go further, like um, having no genealogy. Well, Christ had a genealogy, right? We see that in, in Matthew. But Christ's father was God. Like, you I mean, he didn't have this a father to have that genealogy. It's just kind of, that's the idea of oh, genealogy, I guess, his idea. But we take it to Melchizedek um, without father and mother. Well, that could have been Christophany. That's Christ coming down and, and acting in that way. Um, and then there's there's other ones right without beginning or end of beginning of days or end of life well we know christ is forever right and then the big one i think is he remains a priest forever well christ is our priest forever right and that that's what we read um later in in uh hebrews that christ is our priest he's still our high priest coming before god on behalf of us right and so there's lots of different ways that this character of melchizedek who is referenced in Genesis is actually kind of, it seems to be very similar to the person of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he's similar, but right. I like he, it says here, he resembles the son of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I, I don't, I'm not convinced that Melchizedek is a Christophany. I think he's more of a, a type of Christ, which is what Hebrew shows him to be. 
he is the means through which Jesus has an earthly priesthood is what is what the author of Hebrews is arguing for. So I don't think like in the context of Abraham, if this guy Melchizedek just showed up, like Abraham knew who this guy was. Um, maybe Jesus was Melchizedek for a while. I don't think so. I think uh, Melchizedek was this person and uh, he, he just is a type of Christ. He looks forward to Christ. Christ receives his priesthood. Um, but uh, what would you, how, what would you think of that? I mean, for me, like some people would say that, um, that Jesus was part of that priesthood. Like, so like it, it says that he was order of priesthood and that priesthood will never end. So that has no genealogy that has no father or mother, that priesthood has no. And so it kind of agrees with what you're saying. The idea of it wasn't like Melchizedek wasn't um, a Christophany. I tend to lean more towards that. He was a Christophany just simply because I think we have, there's less making scripture fit with that. Like if you just read the text without beginning of days or end of life, I mean, Melchizedek never had beginning of days and never died. The person of Melchizedek, the only other person who had no beginning and never died was God, is God, not was, is, right? And so if we take that, that I mean, there's, it's hard to get away from the idea that this was a Christophany, but then like you kind of allude to it. Like, how do we, um, that, that one phrase that says resembling the son of God, right? It doesn't say he is the son of God. And that kind of goes kind of what you're talking about, the idea of he's a typification of Christ that is to come. And so I think that is a, a valid point. Um, I remember looking up, I can't find it right, right here, how to kind of mend that idea. But I, I, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether it was a Christophany or not. I mean, it's interesting to look at and like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Lot, lot, lots of scholars have like <laughs> spent their whole theological life <laughs> debating, was this a Christophany or not? I mean, it's interesting to look at. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, it was definitely a typification of Christ, like you said, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Christ coming or Christ to come and, and a parallel. But if nothing else, it's really interesting to even look at that because you can read Genesis and easily pass over the character of Melchizedek. Like it, you can easily say, oh, whatever, just a person. And then you get to Hebrews and there's like 50 verses that talk about Melchizedek. This one man that seemed to have no purpose had an essential purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And a very important purpose. Mm -hmm. Kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yep. What do you think? Look, is, look, is that Christ or not? You're landing on not? I'm landing on not. But well, I can be... I can be... <laughs> yeah, I can be convinced otherwise. But I mean, at the end of the day... Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, Christ is priest and, uh, uh, there's other, there's other Christophanies and Theophanies that are much more, uh, obvious in the Old Testament than, yeah. than Melchizedek. It's just fun. It's just fun to, yeah. to consider. Yeah. I'm just joking. I don't like disagreeing with you just for the sake of disagreeing Yes, you, you do. Just yes, you do. <laughs> Only some, only sometimes. No, uh, but I think you're right. There's more, there's more clear ones that we can see. Uh, more characteristics and importance 
no, you're not important. So more characteristics of God, easier and more defined. Mm-hmm. Well, any other thoughts on that pair? You want to? Oh, I have a few. Land the plane here. I have a few All right, thoughts. Go ahead. Okay, it's uh, it's interesting that in the history of salvation, uh, like it goes back to why did God appear as a theophany in the Old Testament? Because of his plan of redemption, history of salvation, that Jesus appeared as a man that he did. And also that uh, as I was thinking about this, uh, doing a little bit of research, I was thinking that at the end of time, like I, I think this is First John, that at the end of time, we will see Jesus as he is because we shall be like him. We won't need to be. There'll come a time where we will be like Jesus and we'll be able to see him as he is in his glory. I think that, I think that uh, like, that's, that's where we're, that's where we're heading towards uh, in this history right. of salvation is that we're heading towards uh, it's called the beatific vision, the, the vision of God, uh, the glory of God. And uh, I know I'm right. draw, I dropped that term. It's not like I know a lot about it, but like that, uh, that term, <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that, that's where we're heading toward. And I think that's important in this conversation. Uh, that Right, because that, these because theophanies and Christophanies are pointing towards that. Is that, is that what was that word again? That's a good word. Uh, the beatific vision is the ultimate direct self-communication of God to the individual person. The, a person possessing the beatific vision reaches as a member of redeemed humanity and the communion of saints, perfect salvation in its entirety. Yes, so I used it correctly. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Well done. That's wonderful. It is. That is a wonderful um, view. Uh, no, it is a wonderful way to look at it. Yeah, these these theophanies and Christophanies are pointing us to that. And I think that's a good good way to say it. Mm-hmm. On a lighter so note, on a on a lighter note, because this is so yeah. funny. I was listening to a podcast the other day. It had nothing to do with this. Con- like. I didn't listen to it because I was researching. I just listened to it because it looked interesting. Right. And in the podcast, he said at the cross, there was a theophany, a Christophany, and an anthropophany. <laughs> and I looked up anthropophany and I couldn't find, like, what the heck is an ant? Like, <laughs> what is an anthropophany? Do you, you didn't find it? What it was? Well, no, not really. I'm guessing it has to do with like the, the fullness of humanity was on the cross as kind of like the, the implications of an anthropophany. I just thought that was so interesting. An- because anthro, anthro, uh, uh, amp, anth- anthropos is human. Um, so. Right. Well, the Google says it's any sound produced by human beings or their creations. I mean, that's just a quick Google search, but I mean, <laughs> take that out if you want it, listener. I mean, yeah. Someone tell us what anthropophany is. <laughs> and then somebody else said to me the other day, so is there such thing as an, uh, a new, a new, 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 a new, f- <laughs> I can't even see it. Like a, uh, like a spirit, like a new, f- new, phony, a new, <laughs> Oh, a new, phony. That sounds like a, I, like I a would, new fee, a new fee. <laughs> a new fee. No, I would say that's, that's still theophany. I like, I, mm. that's what I would say. Like it's, oh, yeah. that that's, Still, yep. God manifesting Himself, appearing mm. before someone in a divine way. Right. It's just more of a specific way of of like like there's Christol uh, Christophanies, 
which is has to do with yeah. Jesus. Whereas, like, why can't the spirit have his own offing, Drew? I can. I mean, I have nothing against him. I'm not like, no, he cannot have his. But I mean, I mean, if we really think about it, every time we pray, every time we worship, every time we we live, like, we're technically theophany, like, because the Holy Spirit is working in us, right? So, I mean, I mean, yeah, sure, we can give him his own word. Sure, I, I don't care. Like, it doesn't really. We can give it a word, but it doesn't really change what's actually happening, right? Hmm. Sure, new phenoph- new theophany. <laughs> All right, sure, so we'll go with that. what do these teach us about the character of God? Um, kind of like we were, what I said before, I think it, how he appears in what form, if that's the right word to use, whether it be a cloud, fire, whisper, um, a visitor, whether that be a priest, Melchizedek, if we go there. I think it, I think it does um, give us a sense of how he's acting, and, and the medium kind of shows us what he's trying to show that person. Like you said, Paul, he came as Jesus very clearly. He says, I am Jesus, right? Because he's, he's telling him, like, you, you're persecuting me, and I am Jesus. And like for for uh, Stephen, right? He's God right hand of God, has, or God at the right hand. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. There we go. Um, but it has that sense of comfort, right? Like in that... But just the idea that that you have comfort, like he's redeeming them, bringing them. Mm, vindication. Oh. Vindication. Thank you. Oh, I couldn't think of it. Um, no, I think that's what we can get from these Theophys Christophanies. We can kind of see how the character of God, different attributes of God um, play out through how he appears before his people. Mm. He wants to be with his people. Yep. And we see that ultimately in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Should we end it there? I think we shall. <laughs> All right. right well, on. Thank you once again, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, just want to remind you that you can follow us uh, on Facebook and Instagram at Perry's Ponderings. And you can listen to the Pondercast anywhere that you listen to podcasts, apparently. Um, <laughs> and also for more Ponderings, check out perrysins.com. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, we'll... Mm. We'll uh, see you next week. Keep pondering.